Yeah, there was almost a party going on last night on Thanksgiving night. Welcome to WEI Late Night Friday Night. I am your host, Jim Hackett. And a happy Thanksgiving to all you guys out there, guys and gals. I hope you and your family and friends had a great, great Thanksgiving. I got to kick it off here uh, on at 9 a.m. with Mark Dundero. We were on for a few hours talking Patriots. And a lot of what we talked about really kind of came to fruition in the game last night. It was uh, We were on and talking a lot about what the Patriots need to do to resuscitate Mac Jones. And it was part of a three-point plan that I had going into the game. First part was don't turn the ball over. And you check that box against the Indianapolis Colts in that 26-3 snooze fest a couple weeks ago. Then you followed it up with a game against the Jets. At home against the Jets and a 10-3 snoozer. However, in that one, it was don't turn the ball over, check that box twice in a row, and see if you can get a little rhythm going. Get a little something with your efficiency passing the ball, which he did. Check that box. And what I suggested to Mark Dundero yesterday when we were on Thanksgiving morning was now, if you really want to solve this crisis of confidence that Mac Jones has been suffering from all season long, pre-high ankle sprain, post-high ankle sprain, during the whole zappy thing, let the guy sling it. Let him sling it around. That's how a quarterback gets his confidence back. And what did you see last night? They spread it out. He slung it around, and it's the best he's looked since they smoked Jacksonville. I think it was 53 to nothing or 53 to seven last year in December of 2021. It's the best Mac Jones has looked. He looked great. A near perfect game. It was a 115 plus rating, 28 for 39, nearly 400 yards, 382 yards, two touchdowns. He really had three. And I want to get your opinion on the Hunter Henry uh, turned over touchdown. That was, that was a BS call to me. I mean, that was a catch, and we'll get more into that. But there was one major positive from last night's loss, 33-26 to 26 loss in a very winnable game that your Patriots handed over to the Vikings. You know, you were in a really energetic environment, Thanksgiving night, Thursday night football against an 8-2 and two team. But I think the consensus around New England from the fan base and people calling the station here at EEI – media, myself, Mark Dondero yesterday, we all kind of felt good about the Patriots. And I, I felt the secret weapon was let the kids sling it. Now he's got a little confidence back. He's not a turnover machine anymore. He's gotten a little rhythm, although it was a pretty ugly game against the Jets. They did move the ball pretty well between the 20s. They couldn't get in the red zone. Again, they couldn't pump, punch it in the end zone. However, baby steps, right? Little baby steps. Well, it was time to take the training wheels off last night, and they did it. First drive, right down the field, and they answered. They answered a touchdown drive. It was really encouraging. And the Patriots, you know, they, the offense looked pretty good. I've been in this seat here in this studio Friday nights from 10p to 12 midnight yakking at Bill, Bill Belichick and Matt Patricia and Joe Judge since I've gotten in the seat, and rightfully so. But when they do a good job, I'll give them a stick tap. And you know what? Patricia called a good game last night. And they armed their quarterback. And now he's got confidence. So the crisis of confidence that has lasted 11 weeks might be over. That might be behind you. It's going to be tough to tell because they're going to play more tough defenses as the season winds down. You get two against Buffalo. You get, you're hosting them Thursday night, a week from Thanksgiving. Okay? Thursday night, you got Buffalo. That's a pretty ferocious defense. Then you see Buffalo again. You got Miami. 
You've got the Bengals. You've got Arizona. You've got the Raiders. Not such a great defense there. But you've got some tough opponents coming up. So it's a perfect time for Mac Jones to find himself, to resuscitate himself. It was critical. If you're going to make any sort of move towards the playoffs, the mediocre schedule against the soft opponents, that's behind you now. Bye-bye. Maybe the Raiders. Maybe the Raiders, you can chalk that one up as kind of soft. The Cardinals, you can probably chalk up as kind of soft. However, the Patriots have had a heck of a time defending against mobile quarterbacks, and there aren't many that are more mobile than Kyler Murray. So that's going to be a challenge too. So long story short, they needed to get Mac Jones right last night on Thanksgiving night, and I think they did. That's the good. There's also some bad and some ugly. The bad is that you gave that game away. You gave that game away last night, which is a shame because the soft underbelly of the season is behind you. I came out on my first show on October 7th, and I said, look, at despite the Patriots looking how they looked and being one and three and having their quarterback with a high ankle sprain and Bailey Zappi under center, when you looked at that schedule, the Detroit Lions, the Cleveland Browns, two against the Jets, the Colts. There's one other in there, Coop, that I can't remember. The Lions, the Browns, the oh, the Bears. <laughs> That's a hard one to forget, that horrible game on Monday night. But I said they should go 5-1. and one. I don't care what I've seen so far. They should beat these teams. They should go 5-1 and one minimally and come out and come out of the bye 6-4. and four. And it's exactly what they did. Then yesterday, it was critically important to let the kids sling it around the yard a little bit. And I don't mean all the way down the field throwing bombs. He did have a couple of nice long passes, but just rhythm passing. And it's exactly what they did. So that's encouraging, not only for the state of Mac Jones and his mental state and getting over his crisis of confidence, but that also that Belichick and Patricia and Judge get it. That is critically important. They get, they, they, they get the psyche of what this kid needed. Stop with the turnovers. Get some efficient passing going, and then we're going to unleash you and let you sling it. So that was really good last night. I was happy to see that with Mac Jones. I really was. And happy to see him spreading the ball around. And happy to see them moving the ball and get in the red zone and get in the end zone. Great. But in that fourth quarter, man, they spit it up. And it's too bad because one of these tough games are going to have to flip. Is it Miami? Can you get one against Buffalo? Defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals, can you, can you maybe get them? It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Last night kind of felt like an opportunity and an opportunity missed. Now, they're 6-5. and five. Their quarterback is looking like he might be over his crisis of confidence that was, you know, pretty obvious to see in this first, you know, 11 games of the season. A few that he missed there with his high ankle sprain. But while he's been on the field and since he's returned, he hasn't looked good, but last night he did. So that's a check in the good column. I'll give you another check in the good column. The play calling last night was good. I've said this before. I didn't particularly care for Matt Patricia when he was the defensive coordinator, and that's his forte, okay? I certainly don't like him as the offensive coordinator, and but I don't blame him for being in the chair that he's in. That's, I blame Belichick for that. But give it up. Last night, they moved the ball well. And, and they actually, for the first time with Mac Jones under center, they created a scheme for him that plays to his strengths. They got him in a position where he could get rid of the ball quickly. They had three wide, wide receiver spreads. They had him in shotgun. 
They did a little bit of play action. They max protected him. And I was barking for weeks, weeks when Bailey Zappi was in there for those that two game and three quarters. They were in max protection nearly 50% of the time. They've never given Mac that luxury. They weren't running play action a third of the time like they were with Bailey Zappi. They were running it 10% of the time. So last night, they put it all together. And guess what? The kid played great. He played great. It's too bad that he played great in a loss. His two best games this year in 2022 have been losses. I actually think what turned out to be a terrible game by him because of the two interceptions against the Ravens, the the game he got hurt, before those picks, he was moving the ball pretty well. He looked pretty good in that game. Those two offensive output games for Mac Jones looked pretty similar. So what does that tell you? That's the way they need to play. They need to give him just enough protection so that he can get read it and get it out. That's what this how this guy has to operate. And you saw it happen last night. Even the last throw he made um, on the potential touchdown drive to Aguilar, that he missed by an inch. Went right through Aguilar's hands. Maybe like an inch too far. But boy, he doesn't make that throw two weeks ago with that kind of confidence. He doesn't make that throw a week ago against the Jets. No way. It's been a baby step process. Baby steps. Baby steps. And I think he might have gotten through it. So look at They lost. They lost. And it was a lousy loss because the opportunity was there. It was a lousy loss because of the way they did it. Pierre Strong on, on fourth down, man. You've got a team with Justin Jefferson. He is the best wide receiver in football. He's probably the best offensive weapon in football. He looked like Megatron against Buffalo a couple weeks ago. He willed that team to a victory. And, and, and make no mistake, Minnesota was trying to lose that game as much as Buffalo was, and Justin Jefferson wouldn't let him. So you get him on fourth down, and you let a rookie run in there into the kicker? Come on. Terrible job by Pierre Strong. Not a great call by Belichick either, I must say. Not a great call. Did you need to put yourself in a position where you could potentially get Justin Jefferson back on the field after you just shut him down? Not great. So put that in the negative column. A lot of bad mistakes. The penalties. Some of them you got away with. Miles Bryant on that late hit. I mean, Josh Uche saved him. You gave, again, you gave the Vikings another possession. You gave him another chance. And Josh Uche, who we haven't heard a lot about this year, he saved him. He saved them with a big sack and a violent sack. That was a heavy hit and a good hit to see. But again, on the heels of a mistake. Hunter Henry. (laughs) We're going to have to talk about Hunter Henry a lot. Hunter Henry had a big game. Could have been a bigger game. He had that touchdown taken back. I want to go off on a little bit of a rant here, okay? Any of you guys have a little gray hair and you remember what football used to look like? Or do you ever watch NFL films? Coop in the booth. Do you ever watch NFL films and watch some of the great receivers and great play from the 70s and 80s? I dabble from time to time. All right. I'm going to throw some names at you. And you have a homework assignment for you and for you listeners out there. Dial up NFL films, okay, on your streaming service, your cable service, wherever you can get it. And look at some old receiver. Look at some old film of like Lynn Swan. I'm going to name all Hall of Famers, by the way. Lynn Swan, John Stallworth, Drew Pearson, Drew Hill, Cliff Branch, any of these guys. You know what they all have in common? None of them. None of them. And none of them in that era. And my favorite player ever, Stanley Morgan. None of them caught the ball perfectly cleanly. It just, it's really hard to do. 
And if you look at that old film when football was a, lo- a lot less regulated with all these rules about catching. I mean, in the last 10 years, how many bloody times have they changed the rule about what a catch is? It's got to be at least six times. I mean, they, they've removed the surviving the ground language, didn't they? They took it out. And that's what exactly what that moron in the booth, who they're paying to be the referee expert to adjudicate you know, the rules on the field and give the listeners a preview or the viewers a preview of what, of, of what the call is going to be. He got it 100% wrong. That's a catch all day. Hunter Henry's hand was under the ball. His hand was on the ground, not the ball. And if you if you if you watch if you've watched football of the span of your lifetime, okay? If your lifetime maybe dates back as far as mine or further back. Catches like that happened all the time. And you heard Des Bryant, if you saw Des Bryant on Twitter or Instagram or wherever it was, he went crazy because he had one taken from him a few years ago in the NFC Championship game against Green Bay. A catch is a catch. That was a catch. And look it, if they called it an incomplete pass and there wasn't enough to reverse that, I can stomach that. I can stomach that a little bit, okay? But that's not what happened. It was called a touchdown because it looked like a catch. And guess what? If it quacks like a duck and walks like a duck and looks like a duck, it's probably a duck. And that's exactly what it was. That was a catch. Now, furthermore on that, I've heard a couple people say, yeah, you know, but... And Mutt was talking about this, and Mutt and I tend to agree on a, on a great many things. I get it. I can do math. I'm going to disagree with him on this, though. You know, that turn, that touchdown, you take four points off of the board there, and I know the math doesn't, you know, make up for the score, 33 to 26. How about momentum? How about a team that hasn't been able to score a touchdown in weeks? Weeks. How about a team that hasn't been able to, to pass for a touchdown since Mac Jones has been back from his high ankle sprain for weeks. And you got two in one game. Then you get a third one to Hunter Henry, who would have been his second touchdown of the game. You don't think that would have had an impact emotionally on that team or momentum-wise or on the other side of the field? I think it had a big, big, significant impact on that game last night. I think it was a crap call. And you're probably going to hear by, like, Tuesday when everyone's turkey hangovers are, are long gone and you're already thinking about the Bills game, that's when the NFL is going to slip it in and said they made a mistake. So that was a big part. But Hunter, Hunter Henry isn't absolved either. He made a mistake earlier in the, in the game. It, he caught that ball, but he made a mistake. So this is the topic for the night, guys. The good and the bad. Are you feeling positive? More positive because of what we saw from Mac Jones last night? Or are you kind of negative because the opportunity was there for them to get that seventh victory and to flip one of the hard ones on the back half of the schedule after the bye? I'm kind of in both buckets, but i got to be honest. I think I'm feeling a little bit more positive because I've been beating this drum on the Patriots' offense and Patricia and Judge and Belichick and the lack of support for Mac. Well, you got it last night. You also got an L, but there's a little glimmer of hope as we move into next week against Buffalo. We've got the, the calls are lined up. We're going to take, take a break. We're going to trend. And we'll probably start with Mike um, in Ashburnham. We'll start with Mike. You guys, other ones, hold on. And we'll be back after the break. More after this. All right, welcome back. Jim Hackett, WEI Late Night on Friday night. We're having some technical difficulties there, so you probably heard some uh, wacky stuff. But we are, uh, we are back. We're talking Patriots. And we've got some callers lined up that we're going to take soon. I'll, I'll set the stage for you as I did back before we took the mini break. Pats Vikes, lots of Pats Vikings talk. Um, the good, 
Mac Jones and his improvement last night. The play calling and the structure that could put around Mac Jones helpful, and it, he you saw him come to come come to you know come to be the player that we saw in the seven game winning streak last year that we started to fall in love with. So um, that's the good. The bad, a lot of missed opportunities, lots of missed opportunities, untimely penalties, bad decisions. Pierre Strong on fourth down in punt formation, running into the kicker, not good. Miles Bryant with a late hit on third down, not good. Hunter Henry not getting out of bounds when he needed to, not good. So you know, a lot of things, a lot of factors, a lot of things happened in that game that led the Patriots to lose it. However, there were some positives. I want to get Mike and Ashburn, and we'll start off with Mike and see what he thinks. Mike, good evening. Thanks for calling late night. Hey, I was just uh, trying to get your take on who do you think um, is more responsible for the struggling of the Patriots offense. Uh, because at the beginning of the season, I thought it was fully Matt Patricia. And then they start – I didn't think they were giving them enough chances. Mm. But then they started giving them chances, and I think Mac Jones, it was Mac Jones' fault that they were struggling. And then now after last night, Mac Jones played phenomenal. So now I don't know who to, who should we should be pointing the finger at. Yeah, Mike, it's a good question. I mean, I've been talking about this pretty much the entire season. I've been writing about it on com as well. Look, to me, you, you, you can blame Matt Patricia in terms of the play calling, okay, in terms of not being able to feel the flow. But it's not his fault that he's in that position. The guy has never coached offense in his life. He was a, uh, an assistant offensive line coach in his first role with the Patriots back in 2005, a, a low-level assistant. He eventually ascended to be the defensive play caller and then the defensive coordinator, and that's really where he's made his bones is, is on the defensive side of the ball. So, you know, Belichick tried to put the coaching staff together on a dime, and I think there was missed opportunities in the offseason. I've talked about it a lot. You had a chance to get Billy O'Brien who is a familiar face. He ran this offense pretty successfully in the, in the middle part of the dynasty in between the Super Bowls. But, you know, it was during the, uh, you know, when Welker and, and Moss and all those guys were here towards the end of Moss's reign, and they were moving the chains really well. Billy O'Brien's had success at Houston. He's had success uh, most recently at Al- University of Alabama. So, you know, you can't blame Patricia and Joe Judge for being put in positions that they weren't ready to be put into. Who you blame is the head guy. He said, the blame falls on me, Bill Belichick. That's who you put the blame on. You have to put the blame there. Now, that said, they're coming into week 13, hosting Buffalo, okay, next week. They're 6-5, and five, all right? They, they, they gave one away last night, which is unfortunate. However, while they gave it away, your second-year quarterback, Mac Jones, who's had one of the worst sophomore campaigns that I've really ever seen a promising young quarterback have it's been a long time it's been a big fall for mac jones but there's been a little bit of a resuscitation plan okay first stop turning the ball over they went into last night's game mac jones four touchdowns seven interceptions so it started two weeks ago pretty clean game against indianapolis even though it was a snooze fest pretty clean game got a little better against the jets they didn't get into the end zone again but a clean game and they threw the ball with great efficiency. The completion uh, percentage was you know, well over 70% in that game. So coming into yesterday's game, into last night's game, the important thing was to get his confidence back. He's been suffering from a crisis of confidence. I've written about it, talked about it. Dundara and I talked about it a lot yesterday. So how do you break that if you're a quarterback? You let him throw. 
Let him throw. Let him sling it. And he did. And he had success. 28 for 39, two touchdowns, 382 yards, nearly 400 yards. That's exactly what he needed. So I put a lot of it on the structure and the lack of structure around him to the caller, Chris. That was the problem. And that's a problem of Belichick's device. It's a self-inflicted wound. But you know what? They licked the wound pretty good last night. And they have a shot. Because the rest of the league is so bloody mediocre. You have a shot. You have a shot to make the playoffs. Now, you're 6-5, and five and it gets a lot tougher. Two against Buffalo, Miami, Cincinnati. Those are going to be tough games. Last night was one you could have flipped. And that's the negative side of it. Because the bad is you gave an opportunity away. Too many mistakes. Too many penalties, untimely penalties, mistakes, mental mistakes. You know, Mac even took a sack when he shouldn't have taken one. I'm not going to put too much on that. Some of that's just being a young quarterback. But he had a good game, so I don't want to throw too much shade on him. But that penalty Miles Bryant had, Pierre Strong on the punt, just terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible job. And by the way, and how about when you come out in the beginning of the second half, you have a nice drive, a nice drive. They had a good answer drive in the first half. First drive of the second half, they march down the field, they score a touchdown, great. What do you do in the next play? Special teams. They let up a special a kickoff return, 97 yards. Can't do that. Can't do that. There is one disclaimer, there's one asterisk on that one, which is Kyle Duggar did get held, and someone else might have got held too, if you get the answer to that, 617-779-7937. I haven't had a chance to rewatch it, but there was at least a hold and a half on that. That said, though, you can't let it happen. So it was a tough day for the special teams coach, Cam, Cam Accord, and a tough day for that unit. Another thing on the special teams, can we talk about their new punter, Mike Pilardi? Michael Pilardi, where'd they get this guy? Belichick is infatuated with left-footed punters. I get it. It puts a different spin on the ball. You probably increase your probability for the punter to maybe fumble it, mishandle it, get a turnover. But if you can't kick it more than 31 yards, it's not doing you much good. If you're kicking at 31 yards and you get a 7- to 10-yard return, you've got a net in the 20s. You might as well have gone for it on fourth down. So, you know, not great. Not, not great. So they got to solve this punting problem because I'm not convinced that their offense has fully turned it around. They turned, they turned up the dial last night. They looked good last night. Thankfully, Mack looked great last night. The chains were moving. They got in the red zone. They got in the end zone. All good things. It doesn't mean it's solved. So the little things. goes back to the little things. You've got to get special teams corrected. And it was a big, big, big problem last night. A big problem. Um, Pierre Strong. I wonder if we'll ever see him again. Promising rookie. Drafted in the third or fourth round this year. Kind of looked like a potential heir apparent for a big missing piece of the offense, a, a passing back specialist. I know Ramondre Stevenson can catch it and does a good job with it when he gets in space, but you really want him in there to both carry the ball and split out and catch out of the backfield because it's an unpredictability factor to that. I don't want him as a third down back. I want him as my lead back that has all those capabilities. So Pierre Strong was a guy who was kind of looking like a potential heir apparent after maybe having like a redshirt season. So he gets on special teams, and what happens? He runs into the kicker on a critical play. You just gave four more downs to the Vikings and Justin Jefferson. Come on, you can't do that. So those were not good things. Not good at all. Another thing, too, that's been promising the last you know, few weeks, and I'm a little bit concerned about this as the schedule moves ahead, is what about this vaunted defense we were all talking up so much? You remember last year? 
seven-game stretch, seven-game winning streak. The Patriots come out of a seven-game winning streak. They're 9-4. and four. At one point, they were the top team in the American Football Conference, and people were psyched about the defense. You still had J.C. Jackson back then in the secondary, you know, and he was uh, amongst the NFL league leaders in interceptions. You had Matt Judon playing unbelievably well in a 9-10 game stretch. But what happened after that? He fell asleep. And last night was the first time you really didn't see Judon get the pressure that he normally does. I hope it's not a reprise of last year because he fell off the map. And when they didn't get that pressure up front, it kind of all fell apart. And this year, you don't have J.C. Jackson in the secondary. So it's all the more important to get that much more, much more pressure up, up front. You have, to, you have to get it. So when Judon and Dietrich Wise and, and, the, and the front seven are putting pressure on the quarterback, your secondary can hang. Jonathan Jones is an emerging player. I've liked him for a few years. He's in a larger role now, and he's, he's rising to the occasion. Jalen Mills, consistent. He had a near miss on a, on a tip last night on the Thielen touchdown. He just he missed that by like a millimeter, but he missed it. And that might have been a broken communication. Uh, for the, He was looking to get help from the safety position. That's still kind of to be determined in terms of watching the film. But the point is, the secondary isn't quite near elite yet, to be kind. Jack Jones looks promising. Jonathan Jones is promising. Jalen Mills is pretty consistent. Miles Bryant was playing okay, but he had a terrible game last night with the penalties, and that headshot was a ridiculous and terrible play by him. So point is, you've got a secondary that's still kind of growing. They're learning on the fly. They're well-coordinated by Belichick and Stephen Belichick and Mayo and whoever's kind of working out the plans. They're well-coordinated. They're well-schemed. But in order for them to be successful, particularly coming up against receivers like Stephon Diggs from Buffalo, Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill in Miami, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd on Cincinnati, DeAndre Hopkins against Arizona, they get some t- stiff competition coming in to, to deal with. And if you're going to deal with them, they're going to need the pressure up front. Last night, you didn't get it. I mean, Cousins was well, it was clean the entire game. There was no pressure up front. That's a problem. And I'm also a little bit worried about the communication in the secondary. What happened on that Thielen touchdown? What happened there? Was that Jalen Mills? Or was that Devin McCourty or Kyla Duggar or Adrian Phillips not being in the right place and giving help? You can weigh in, 617-779-7937. Your Patriots calls. How are you feeling? Are you feeling good about what you saw with Mac Jones last night? I am feeling good about that. But are you more negative about what you didn't see? The good, the bad, and the ugly. The ugly was definitely special teams. The bad was the lack of discipline and the penalties that, that gave your opponent second chances when you had that momentum swing. And then the ridiculous was that overturned touchdown for Hunter Henry. That, that was a catch. I'd love to get your opinion on that, too. You can text 37937. You can call in 617-779-7937. To me, it's not even close on that Hunter Henry play. It's not even close. That's a catch. That's a catch all day long. And the NFL has a real problem. They've got too many rules, too many interpretations of the rules, too many misinterpretations of the rules, and that's what happened last night. You had an expert, right, Coop? You had an expert on in the booth that they defer to, and you see this in every broadcast. NBC does it. You know, Fox does it. 
CBS does it. They all do it. <laughs> but when that guy is misinterpreting the rule that changed as a former official, you, you got to have that stuff buttoned up. And they basically willed it to happen on television. So too many rules, too many rule changes, too many interpretations, too many misinterpretations. And that's what you get. And you can't tell me that that didn't have an impact. I get it. They got a field goal. It was a tie game there. Okay? It was tied. 26-26. I get it. I can do math. But you're taking out the emotional quotient, the, the emotional factor of that, and the motivational factor. Momentum. This team has not been able to get in the end zone. That would have been three touchdowns. Three passing touchdowns, which has been vacant all season long, other than that little two-game, two-game, three-quarter stretch you had with Bailey Zappi. But he only got in once in each game. So we haven't had multiple P T TD passes in a game this season that I can remember. So, yeah, that's a big deal to lose a call like that. I'm not blaming it all on the refs. The Patriots did enough to shoot themselves in the foot. But the facts is the facts. You got a bad call there. Wasn't the only one, but that was a particularly bad one. You're taking points off the board. And you spit up a lot of opportunity. A lot of opportunity. And there's there's... People to blame all across the offense, defense, and special teams. But really, last night, you got to put it on the defense. They didn't show up. They didn't apply pressure. They made mistakes at key times. And special teams was an abomination last night. Not good. So, here you sit. You're 6-5. and five. You had a shot to be 7-4. and four, And the toughest part of the schedule is right ahead of you. So, it's gut check time. And it's not going to get any easier Thursday night. You know, the Patriots on Thursday night are going to be coming into their third game in 12 days. And I got to say, that felt a little scary, you know, a couple weeks ago when I looked at it. But I actually think, you know, based on what I saw last night offensively, I actually think I'm happy that they're not getting the mini-buy uh, from Thursday Night Football this week. I think the momentum could help them. I think the momentum could help them. You've got the Bills coming up next Thursday. The Cardinals, that's a 50-50 game to me. The Raiders, that's one you should get. So, let's say you give one up to the Bills. Now you're 6-6. Six and six. You know, if you can put two together against the Cardinals and the Raiders, now you're up to 8-6. and six, And you got to flip at least one of the next three. The Bengals on Christmas Eve, the Dolphins on New Year's Day, or the Bills in Buffalo on January 8th. That's going to be a tough one. So, you know, they got to make hay. Missed opportunity last night. 617-779-7937 is the number. Here at WEEI Late Night with Jim Hackett. You can catch us on the WEI Sports Radio Network all across New England or on the Odyssey app, and you can check in anytime. But we've been talking here for a couple months during this soft underbelly of the season. Winning five games out of six. Six were probably all winnable, but that Bears game was, oh, I hope, an aberration, but that was terrible. But that's behind you now. This was the swing game. This game was a perfect opportunity for the Patriots, and they missed it, which is too bad. The good side of it, you might have your quarterback back. You might have your quarterback back, Mac Jones. And that's important not only for now and what might be on the line for the 2022 season, the future. Because this guy is the best asset that you have. Is he the best player on the team right now? No. I'd say Matt Judon is the best player on the team right now. But he's your best asset. You invested first-round draft capital on this guy. 
in a QB draft in 2021 that has six quarterbacks in the NFL right now. He was the fifth one chosen. That's a lot of draft capital. And you saw enough last year making the playoffs in his first year, losing pretty poor, pretty terribly to Buffalo in that playoff game. But, you know, made the Pro Bowl as an, Pro Bowl as an alternate, won 10 games, won seven in a row. We saw enough to have some confidence. The Patriots should have seen enough to, to build around him. But, you know, Belichick gambled. It was a bad gamble. He didn't build an infrastructure or any structure around this kid, okay? And you've had, you know, pretty ugly football to watch for the first 11 weeks of the season. Last night, a little encouraged. I'm encouraged. It was a fun game to watch. The offense looked good. And his Mac back. 617-779-7937. Let us know what you think. Quick break. Back after this. Are you all right, Coop? <laughs> Coop's throwing me a lot of curveballs here. You're throwing knuckleballs at me. Welcome back. Sports Radio, WEI. It's late night Friday night with me, Jim Hackett. Uh, glad you're with us. Wanted to um, just you know open up the microphone, 617-779-7937. Talk a little bit about the Patriots on Thanksgiving night. I thought it was some encouraging signs there. There was also some discouraging signs. Coop, let me ask you, where are you on the... Um, on the reverse touchdown on Hunter Henry. I think I've made my point pretty clearly. To me, it's a catch, and it's not close. All right, I'll let you figure it out. <laughs> no Coop having some trouble in the booth, but we'll figure it out, Coop. Don't worry about it. So, you know, I want to know what the audience thinks. I want to know what you guys think. 617-779-7937. Was that rule interpreted correctly in your mind? Do you think it was an incomplete pass? I do not. I think that was a clear catch. Hunter Henry, uh, the ball never touched the ground. I've watched it a hundred times. The ball does not touch the ground. His hand's on the ground. He secures it. He turns. He bobbles a little bit when he turns. But that's a catch already at that point. And I, I, I said this earlier. I said it earlier in the first hour. Go, you know, go, go watch any NFL football game, but go back in history. Look before they made all these rule changes. Okay, before they made all these changes. Go look around. Look at what the, some of the greatest receivers that are all over the Hall of Fame, how they bobble these balls. You know what I mean? It's like not, it's not great. Let's... Uh, it's not great, <laughs> you know. When you when you when you see these calls getting turned over, um, you know, I think of Des Bryant in the NFC Divisional game against the uh, from the Cowboys against the Packers years ago. Terrible call. Well, the, the stakes couldn't have been higher, and the stakes for your Patriots are pretty high, were pretty high last night. Um, I want to see what Stephen in Northbridge thinks. Steve, Stephen, good evening. Hey man, what's up? How are you? How are you doing? Good. Thanks for calling. Not too bad. So uh, I'm just. The, the whole last game was, you know, it was actually a great game for the Patriots. It was a great game. Talking, yeah, it was fun to watch. We've been talking crap about them for, for weeks, about yep. how they can't score, and finally their offense comes out and actually does something. Talk about McCorkle Jones out there doing doing his thing. 100%. But everyone rests on their laurels, you know. They're, oh, the Hunter Henry touchdown, uh, should be touchdown was the problem and, and this and that. But I, I think it was more than that. I mean, come the end of the game, we had been rolling – all game long, and then come the end of the game, all of a sudden we couldn't put together a game plan to to get through to the touchdown. And so I feel like I don't know the the offensive play calling is just it's been atrocious this year. As much as we have some players who make plays, and Mac Jones once in a while does something, it, it's just been like it's been lacking something. I don't know what because I'm not I'm not a pro player, but you know. I, I just don't understand it. Yeah, there's a lack, Stephen. There's been a lack of fluidity to the to the process, and I think it stems right from the sideline. You know, I mean, Bill Belichick, he said, "Put it on me when things don't work well." And okay, I'm putting it right on you. I mean, he put two people 
in charge of the offense that weren't qualified to be there. And that you can't blame someone. You, know, you, you can't blame someone if they don't have a degree and, they, and, and you put them in a, in a role that requires a degree. <laughs> it's not the guy without the degree's fault. You know what I mean? So they put Matt Patricia and Joe Judge in a competition in training camp. They came with different ideas. And you saw how clunky it was in preseason. They couldn't move the ball in preseason. And, and, and really, the, the only time the offense ever looked good in the preseason it was when Bailey Zappi was running it. And you saw that same thing in the, in the, in the early part of the season after Mac had the high, high ankle sprain. Because I think they were in desperation mode, and they put all their best focus to work at that point. And guess what? It worked. Well, last night, it wasn't desperate, but opportunity was most certainly knocking. And guess what they did? They, they really focused. And everyone's talking about simplifying it and doing this or that. Thanks for the call, Steve. I don't think it's so much that. I think it was good focus. I think they're unfortunately that Matt Patricia and Joe Judge have been learning on the fly. And it's, you know, the communication has been very confusing. But Dondero and I played some sound yesterday. Matt Patricia, and I played it a couple of weeks ago on this show, of him talking about, like, you know, this year versus last year. I don't know what the heck he was talking about. Can you imagine coming off the field after a, a poor possession, a poor series of downs? And that's who you're talking to. So I think like the whole the whole puzzle hasn't worked. It hasn't been put together well. That said, they were able to take advantage of a weak part of the schedule, win five games in six weeks, which was huge. It got them to six and four. I wrote an article on wei.com uh, before thanks, the Thanksgiving show I did with Dendero yesterday, which was called "The Mediocrity and the Parody of the NFL Has Allowed the Patriots to Be in Position to Contend," and it's exactly true. And that led you to last night. And they did. They played an entertaining game. The offense, they looked like a, a totally functional offense. They looked like a, a totally functional football team on offense. It was great to see. But beyond that, what I think the important takeaway was, there are two. One, you may have resuscitated Mac Jones, which is great. And that's exactly what he needed. First, stop turning the ball over. Okay? They had to manage the game pretty conservatively. Conservative throws when you needed it. Kept it really tight to the vest, executed, left that game with a win, 26-3. to Terribly boring game, but they get it in the win column. Mac has no turnovers, step one. Step two, you get the Jets, division opponent. You got a one-game advantage on them. We've got to win this. Don't turn it over, and let's see if we can get the offense moving. They've got a pretty ferocious defense. Let's get it out quickly. Let's have efficient passing. Efficiency is the key word for that game. What did he do? Completed over 70% of his passes. They operate very efficiently. They don't score, but they move the ball well in between the 20s. All right, that's progress, baby steps. Come to Thanksgiving. The weak part of the schedule is now behind you. You're 6-4. and four. You're the sixth seed in the AFC. You're going into a hostile environment in Minnesota, an 8-2 and two team, looking pretty good. The most explosive offensive player in all of football, and Justin Jefferson, or is at least one of two between he and Stefan Diggs, who are you going to see next Thursday? And what you had to do to get Mac over this crisis of confidence that he had is let him sling it. And that's exactly what they did. He threw the ball almost 40 times. I called for him to throw it 45 times. I was close. 39 times. But importantly, he completed 28 of them for 382 yards and a couple touchdowns. And then another one that got taken away. So, you know, back to what the, the caller was saying, you know, I, I, think, the, I think the problems that he's had have been the structure around him. But then he's not blameless. You know, during the bye week, it was an important time for Mac to reset. I think he did. So good on him. Um, he had to get out of his head a little bit. He had to kind of get on board. and But everything around him had to be built 
better. And now, hopefully, going into Buffalo, what you see is Max. the offense are playing to max strength, which is working this unit as an ensemble offense. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the ensemble offense and what that means and how they have to attack Buffalo when we come back for Hour 2.